0: The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at slayrx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor.
1: My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, and I am a mom to three girls.
2: And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa.
0: Awesome! Welcome
2: back from summer vacation, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different for us, George.
0: Yeah, <laughs> early summer vacation. I mean, like podcast summer vacation. You know, it's been a it's been a couple of weeks. It's been three weeks since we record. I've been missing y'all.
2: Podcast station.
0: So there it is, podcastation. Uh, welcome back from your early June podcastation. Um, glad to see y'all, uh, Michelle. What's been up to besides trying to survive in the Oh, my God, it is so hot weather that we're having right now.
1: Oh, my God, George, it is so hot, (laughs) the weather we're having right now. (laughs) Um, I'm, you know, up to not much, just uh, two kids finished with school, one kid taking her last final on Friday, two more tomorrow, today's Wednesday, Um, and then just kind of getting them all off to summer camp and hoping to uh, just – Keep trucking along and run as much as I can this summer. But it's really hot. Did we mention it's hot here? Did we mention it, the weather yet?
0: It's it's been okay. So so we're recording this on Wednesday, the fifteenth of June. It has been obscenely hot over the course of the past couple of days here, which is good because one of the main things we're going to be talking—well, not good, but it helps us here on the podcast uh, because one of the main things we're going to be talking about tonight is how to actually get through the warm weather and things to make sure you're keeping in mind when it comes to warm weather. But Actually, just straight up here at the outset, Michelle, how you been coping? I mean, because you are, of the three of us, you are the one who has the most ardent hatred for hot weather.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually been as much as I complain about it, it's not deterring me from running, meaning I haven't done a run on the treadmill in weeks and weeks and weeks. Awesome. Whenever the last time I watched Formula One, which has to be, I don't know, it's been so long. I don't even know where I left off. Hmm. Um, But not only am I still just going for it, even though the weather's atrocious, I went out the other night. I don't know. It was what feels like 99 or something. It was eight o'clock and it was just the only chance that I had. And I kept it short, made sure that I was super hydrated and just, you know, kept it slow. Um, was up really early this morning for a track workout. And when I pulled up the weather app, it was, you know, 5:15, 83 degrees and a heat advisory. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Not do the workout.
0: Kind of, or maybe not- <laughs> adjust the workout a little bit, yeah, yeah, um, I mean,
1: well, no, I would for sure, I mean, I already in my mind, was wholly adjusting the paces, but, um, it just feels like if this is what it is in early June, this is yeah. gonna be like this till September, yeah. um so everyone's just gonna have to bitch about it, but get the miles in, um mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to run on a treadmill all summer, but uh having a little bit of trouble. I, you know, I think when I go in in the evening, the hydration, just waking up in Mm -hmm. three 30 in the morning, man, just, I can't tell if I'm starving or if I'm just super dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, you know, slow down the pace and just do what I can do. So
0: one of the most striking aspects of how hot it's been here over the course of the past few days is how hot it has been at night. Um, like it's been swelteringly hot at 11 or 12 o'clock in, in the middle of the day. Right. But you kind of know that like the people you see out running in Atlanta, Georgia at one o'clock in the summer, like those people are insane. Um, or, or they're not really runners. They're just like testing it out or something else like that. Um, but but the the thing that strikes me is that those of us who like kind of put it off and look look for those cooler times a day we wait till eight o'clock nine o'clock even when the sun's down a little bit and it's still ninety four degrees outside.
1: So, yeah, um, it's
0: just yeah. Is
1: this global warming? It's not cooling off. It is off at actually.
0: All. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and I, and and that's one of the reasons. And you'll hear me say this again in a few minutes. One of the reasons why I think it's important for us to to talk once again about warm weather is because. A lot of people are experiencing warm weather who haven't experienced it as much before because they live in areas that used to be temperate in June and in the summer, in July and August, um, and now they're not. Um, We're going to talk here in just a little while about an article that all three of us read in Outside Online uh, that takes place in the Bay Area. And one of the reasons why the outcome of that article was awful um, is because the people who were focused on in that article aren't accustomed to running in the heat levels that that they were experiencing within the last couple of years. So, um, I tried
1: to simulate those conditions the other night, <laughs> but I didn't struggle yeah. as much as.
0: So, <laughs> we appreciate you taking one for Thankfully. the team and and. Little we'll slow and, uptake. Little we'll slow yeah, uptake yeah. on my so, part so, there. So, Appreciate appreciate you taking one for the team, so that you could bring some personal experience to the podcast tonight That's as we right. talk about heat. Yeah, appreciate that, uh, you know, Eric. How you that, been, man?
2: Well, just on that point about people not being used to the the heat, um, I think a lot more people were running on treadmills recently, mm-hmm. and with the COVID lockdowns and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's quite possible that not only may maybe it may be hotter, people just aren't as acclimated to it. For sure. Now, for sure. you know. I'm still recovering from this hip injury, and it is it is getting better. Um, I'm getting a lot of uh, help from chiropractor, massage therapist, and whatnot. And I've just started getting into running again. And I'll tell you, I went out last night, so I started my ride. I did a 45 minute ride at nine o'clock, and then at nine forty five, nine fifty, I went out and did just some little a- pickups. A.M. or P.M.? P.M.
0: Okay. P.M. And
2: after the first like. 10 minutes, my shirt was completely drenched. Mm-hmm. And when I was done, I was actually given credit by Garmin for heat acclimation. <laughs> <laughs> how many for sure. How many times do you run at 9.45 at night and get heat acclimation points from Garmin?
0: Uh, you know, and I, th- I think you're totally right about people not being acclimated, physically acclimated anymore. I think people also have forgotten how to deal had just kind of forgotten how to deal with it or forgotten how miserable it could potentially be Um, folks who didn't run outside or run as much in 2020 or 2021 for whatever reason, because they had health concerns or because they didn't have races on the calendar that motivated them to run or whatever it happens to be. um, They've forgotten that, that, this is actually a serious thing that you have to take into account. Um, and and they've, they've gotten out of the habit of hydrating throughout the course of the day or of carrying a bottle with them when they run or, or whatever those things happen to be. And so it's not just a physical acclimation. I think a lot of those habits have probably gotten rusty in people as well. Um, I've joked before that I have to be reminded with like one really hot run every year that, oh, yeah it's hot now and usually happens sometime in May. Um, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Time for me to start paying attention to these sorts of things again. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people that are having similar, uh, realizations here over the course. If they haven't had them already, they certainly have had them here over the course of the past few days. If they live yeah. in the Southeastern United States. Um, I, uh, no. speaking of, go ahead, right, Eric. Well now
2: on what's going on, I, I think I just, I alluded to the fact that I'm, um, massage therapist and chiropractor helped me. I actually went to a the massage therapist for the first time ever. Really? And I, I messaged you and Michelle after this. Cause I, <laughs> the guy, he, he said, Oh, your psoas is really tight. And I was like, you know, that's Michelle's the first so time
0: you've that. ever been to a massage therapist.
2: Yeah. Yes. All right. We're going to circle back around to that. Keep going. Okay. And he, he said, "Now this is going to be a little weird. He, he wanted to... <laughs> and if anybody hasn't had this done, it is a little weird, you know, um, the, the guy like pushes your internal organs out of the way to reach yeah. this tendon muscle complex that's in your back, but he's coming from your stomach. Yeah, that is weird. It's now I will there, say man. this, it didn't take much and gosh, did that feel a whole lot better right on. But um, yeah, so that, that was an interesting experience. Um, and then I'll let you circle back to that in a minute about the massage therapist. But the other thing, I, I wanted y'all's opinion on something. Um, so, uh, Saucony, you know, fifty percent discount. I, I go and buy a pair of shoes, a two hundred dollar pair of shoes. I get them for a hundred bucks. Now, do you guys think that I saved a hundred dollars or did I spend a hundred dollars? Because I'm you thinking say you I saved a hundred dollars. No, this I feel is like $100. I almost made money. Yeah, I feel like no, I, I think this is yeah, a you good saved a hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. Think sure that
2: I already have two other pairs of the same shoe. Like, oh, no. I needed that is needed so awesome. Like, shoe. I mean, think about think about all the cool
0: things you can do with that extra one hundred dollars you got now. Exactly. Right? Think if about how to, amazing it would be if can, the
1: other one hundred dollars never left your bank account in the first place. What?
2: What are you talking about? He has a nice new pair of shoes. I'm I'm not your friend anymore, Michelle. I am so disappointed. <laughs> I figured of all the people in the world that both of you would be behind this one. You know, now, you know what a good
0: use. You know what a good use of that $100 you saved would be? What? Another pair? another pair of running shoes.
2: (laughs) It's not a 50% discount. It's a buy one, get one.
0: Exactly.
2: Like, how can you resist that? Michelle,
0: what's wrong with you? You, You're still mad at Saucony because you had such a bad experience wearing Saucony's in Boston last year.
1: No, it's just I have all these clients who want to go buy a Tesla and then they want to buy the Tesla because they want to get the credit or they want to get the depreciation deduction. And they think that like it's such a good deal, and I'm over here. Yeah, but if you have that sixty thousand dollars still in your bank account that you didn't spend on the Tesla in the first place, forget about the depreciation and the tax credit. That's a better deal because you don't really need the Tesla. But
0: but what's the You, you, you having... don't need more Michelle, running shoes, if,
1: and Eric, you surely heck don't need another pair of shifts.
2: Whoa whoa whoa! whoa, whoa Michelle, what's Michelle, the, if the what's guy the point came of having? Said, he said, wait wait. He said, but I'm getting it for fifty percent off. I'm getting the, te- the $60,000 Tesla for $30,000. What would you say, Michelle?
1: I mean, that is exactly what happens. You're still out $30,000.
2: But Michelle,
0: what's no, the point got of got having $60,000 in your bank Tesla. if you would rather have a Tesla than have $60,000 in the bank?
1: Because I don't actually think that if you took that sixty thousand or thirty thousand dollars and put it somewhere where it could earn to six to eight to six to eight percent per year, you're not really going to be happier with Tesla. You
0: you, you can do that with some other pile of money, uh-huh. but 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 take that sixty thousand dollars and and do something with it that makes you happy.
1: Wait a minute. So, so I don't get me wrong. 500... I'm
0: not anti-investment. I'm not saying that, that that you should never invest any of your money. But at the same time, if you have money and you have Listen, an object you want to buy with guys, that money then Flatters isn't that kind of what money's want? for
1: i have no problem with you buying as many shoes as you want but you cannot like make it a podcast motto that you save the hundred dollars
2: <laughs> no actually michelle i think i understand what you're saying the hundred dollars that i made buying those shoes i should invest it
0: Ooh, i disgusted her so much <laughs> now you're talking
1: <laughs> no guys <laughs> you're not. I'm. I cannot be swayed.
0: <laughs> Wait. So he shouldn't invest it. So you're saying he should use that hundred dollars to sh- buy another buy pair one get one. Buy one yeah. get one. Do get whatever you right. want.
1: Just all do right. not think that you saved a hundred dollars when you spend a hundred dollars on a pair of two hundred dollar running shoes and you save a hundred dollars. I didn't save. $100. No,
2: no. You convinced me. I made a hundred dollars. That's right. And now you
0: can use that hundred dollars. Michelle just said it on another pair of shoes. Yeah.
1: Well done.
0: Yeah. Next topic. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. We appreciate your your high level financial advice.
1: What what day next week does um do your new shoes get put on the text box? Because we have to pick days, it seems like.
0: We do. Hey. I got myself a nice new pair of a uh, Saucony and uh, uh, Endorphin Speeds um, that have space on the back of them for my children to draw pictures on them. Which that alone makes them the leading candidate for me to wear in the London Marathon. <laughs> Like the idea that I would be wearing shoes that my sons have actually drawn pictures on, for somebody like me who runs ninety percent on emotion these days, that's a big selling point.
1: It's but yeah, I bought I bought a pair fifty percent off
0: as well. Uh-huh.
1: I actually don't know that you would mentally be okay with that shoe if you get fit enough to really run fast in London.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either, but that's hard to imagine. And that's a good segue because it has been, it has been a month since I won the new river marathon (laughs) and it's been a rough month. (laughs) I was counting it up today in the one month since I won the new river marathon, I've run 23 miles. So (laughs) I haven't, I haven't run a total marathon distance over the course of that month since I won that marathon. Um, uh, I, I kind of had some recovery time and some sort of low key time. And then I went to Florida and then I came back from Florida sick. And so I had a month or a week off cause I was sick. And so I have, I have lost more fitness over the course of the past month, um, probably than any other month ever. Um, not ever, but, but any other month since I had maybe the, the, the extra corporal shockwave therapy on my Achilles a few years ago, and I wasn't able to do anything at all for, you know, several weeks on end, um, same sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, the Delta between where I was and where I am now is big. Um, Does that
1: feel like such a bummer?
0: No. So I'm 16 weeks out from the london marathon and so i have enough time to build slowly to take four weeks and and keep everything like zone two zone one and and, and all that sort of thing and and i actually think that's a good approach um and it's going to keep me from getting sidetracked doing like zwift duathlons and things like that or like running too hard at the peachtree road race and beating myself up because i don't go run fast enough there and all that sort of thing and so the silver you want to is, with us? so okay. i would love to run with you yes um, you
1: want to pace us? Really? That'd
0: be fun. Pace you? I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll run with you for a little while, then I'll stop off and do a keg stand or something, but
1: you can, uh, um, you can stop at Betty's thing.
0: That's a fine idea. I like how this is shaping up already. See, I'm going to enjoy this time of, all um, right. Of kind of I have a serious question
1: though, about your unplanned month off. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've like finished a marathon and I've taken two weeks off and then mm-hmm. I've gotten sick. And I feel like this is a pretty common, you know, you stress oh, yeah. your body. It's very a common. Lot.
0: Yeah, research right. shows so, it's common.
1: So then I come back and I'm super out of shape, but. It's,
0: it's also, by the way, because you let down your guard on certain habits. Sure, And sure. so like in, but, in the month leading up to a, to a race, you wash your hands a lot more and you eat better and stuff like that. And then you yeah. stop doing that for two weeks and a germ finds you. But yeah, keep going. But
1: I always get stuck in this like conundrum of because I took time off and because I was sick, I wasn't really hungry as much. So I would always like come back and having lost a little bit of weight, but then I couldn't run because I was so out of shape.
0: (laughs) And it's always
1: this like, would I rather be fit and, you know, a little bit heavier or would I rather be time off sick and then down and wait and feel like I look good and I feel fit, but I'm not really fit at all.
0: (laughs) I, I am, I, I, and I dare say most people are more like me than like you when I take time off, I gain weight. I don't lose weight. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Um, and, and again, I dare say more people are like me than like you. Um, and it's so yeah, one, one, one of God, the things I had to do like this past Monday, part of getting serious in the 16 the week buildup to this is I started tracking my food again. I haven't really done that in any serious way in a couple of years. Wow. Um, But, but yeah, I started tracking my food and and marking it down and, and, and watching it much more closely and, and, and all that stuff. And I haven't done that. I haven't had the mental bandwidth to really do that over the course of the past couple of years.
1: So Um, you have a solid 16 weeks before London. Now, besides recovering from being sick, are you otherwise healthy? Like, does your body feel good? Does your Achilles feel good?
0: It feels so that's another kind of weird thing. And this actually is something that I think is a little bit weird for me um, is that, that Um, it doesn't feel like healed or anything like that by any stretch. And if anything, um, because I wasn't stretching and using the percussive massager and things like that during that time. Um, and because I think some of the tendon elasticity, what little there is at age 47 with my Achilles tendinosis, it's been bothering me now for coming up on seven years. Um, what little elasticity is actually left in there actually decreases when I haven't run. Um, wow. and so, so when I start back running, if anything, it might even be a little bit worse than it Hurts is more. Um, yeah. Yep. Same, um, same deal here. Yeah. And so, so I've been, I've by. been, I've been running, um, I've been doing two things that are, that are, I'm doing both because of a lack of fitness and because of being cautious post being sick. And because, uh, I know that my Achilles has become unaccustomed to it. Um, I've been running for tops, like 20 minutes 25 minutes um and i've been run walking i've been doing four minutes running one minute walking four minutes running and your heart rate's
2: walking. still going to like 170 yeah my heart rate's still getting up i'm afraid are you
1: looking at his strava
2: yeah yeah i strava stalk him on a daily basis <laughs>
0: um yeah as soon as it, as soon as i start and it's all been on a treadmill too by the way just because it's hot wow um, um but uh but as soon as i start pitching the treadmill up Uh, as soon as I put, you know, 2%, 3%, my heart rate jumps. Um,
1: do you think in a perfect training cycle, you could go from where you are now to like PR shape in 16 weeks?
0: Ask me again in about 16 weeks. (laughs) So we'll see. If you were
1: coaching somebody, do you think that, and they have the potential in 16 weeks to get from where you are now to PR shape? Uh, Let's say, let's. Let, let, I don't want to say I don't want to say
0: PR shape. I think I think I have the potential to be in really good shape in 16 weeks. yet yeah. yeah. Cool. But I, but I think I need to be cautious. Um, and again, I think in some ways this is going to force me to be more focused. Um,
1: we really need to get you to London, George. Like. So
0: I I'm I'm excited. We've got the hotel booked. We got the flights booked at this point. Um,
1: it feels like we've done this so many times. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Happen.
0: It's going to happen this time i'm excited i'm looking forward to it um we started talking to our sons in more realistic terms about what it's going to be like to travel to london so so it's gonna be great so
2: have you started preparing yourselves with what's gonna be like uh, they'll be good so
0: so dude they they flew to hawaii when they were six months old um when i did kona for the second time and so so they they've been traveling from the start they're good travelers um um and so so they're they're looking forward to being over there i'm looking forward to having them and doing this well, big important race
1: that's pretty good that intro was about three weeks long so
0: <laughs> we caught up with each other enough three weeks worth there all right very good seems like it. <laughs> so it seems like it so obviously we can't talk about everything that's happened over the course of the past three weeks here and all the stuff that's happened over the course of the past three weeks here um but uh michelle did you want to say something about the grandma's marathon
1: um yeah just a reminder that it's taking place this weekend. It's kind of hard to keep up with all the amazing, you know, racing and running that's been out there the past few weeks and looking forward to coming up. Um and it's really a big opportunity for people to try to hit that uh new Olympic trial marathon standard. So, uh under 237, um there's already 22 women who've qualified in Interestingly enough, 60 women who would have qualified if the standard was still 245. But I think, you know, now that it's been announced and it's been out for a while and people have really had time to plan their training cycle. I think we're going to see a big pack of women try to go for that 237 barrier. And I'm pretty excited to to see what could happen. Um, I don't really know much about the men racing grandmas do
0: you george Mm-mm. i haven't really followed along that closely so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm sure there's probably going to be a pretty good gang of men there trying to run right around 211 uh since since 21130 is that the the qualifier now um that's the that's, that's the olympic it's qualifier vast. That's the Olympic qualifier. The trials qualifier is now two eighteen. Um, and so, so yeah. I mean, I, I imagine there'll probably be a big gang of men trying to run two eighteen there as well. Um, not like there is say, at CIM, but but probably a good twenty to twenty five guys all trying to to hit that standard, uh, just under two twenty, um, which would be fun to see. Have you ever wanted to run the Grandma's Marathon?
1: I mean, I nope. would love.
0: I mean. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you you have the City of Oaks Marathon on the calendar. We know, um, but uh, but Michelle, have you?
1: I mean yes I just can't mentally adjust to a June marathon. Yeah, it's weird. Everything about, you know, a spring marathon for me has really either truly only been uh well, I guess Sugarloaf was in mid-May, but by the time, you know, tax season's over and school is winding down, I am I am mentally just never in a serious training mode. Um mm-hmm. I'm doing barely anything now. I'm doing one I would say planned workout a week, and that's more than I've ever done leading up to Peachtree. (laughs) You know, so for me, this is uh this is feels very official for this time of year. So yeah, I agree.
0: Exactly. It is one that I would feel
1: just for the history of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's got this small town vibe, but it's a big competitive Mm -hmm. race and a good and a good course. So it's an experience I would like to have, but I've never signed up for it and then backed out of it. Like I've never really even gotten that far, but it's on my radar.
0: Yeah. It's, it's on mine too. I'll probably do it the same year that I do like CIM, which is in December and then maybe come back the following June or maybe do like Miami, which is in January and then come back the following June or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Is that
1: 2026? Uh, Yeah.
0: That's, that's, that's pretty far on down the road since I'm already planned through 2023 through 2024 at this point. So the first half of 2024. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's on down the road. And then plus in 2024, I turned 50. I
1: was going to say so, you 50.
0: I know. And so so there's there's all sorts of concerns about, okay, so what races do I want to do as a 50-year-old? Um, sure. And and do I want to try and run fast in that first year that I'm 50 in order to try and set like a 50s PR, a grandmaster PR? So we'll see, we'll see. Um, uh, do y'all watch NCAAs? It was amazing. Yeah, it was super fun to watch. Um, The NCAA track championship was, of course, this past week uh, here in the United States. Um, They do this alternating format now, which I think is totally cool. Um, They do day one of all the women's races on or day one of all the men's races on Wednesday, day one of all the women's races on Thursday, day two of the men's races on Friday, and day two of the women's races on Saturday. Um, and so it's spread out over the course of four days. Um, but on any given day, you have only the guys or only the girls competing. Um, and so it's kind of fun in that your teammates get to come and watch you compete and don't have to worry about competing and warming up themselves. And um, I think it kind of makes the meat move a little bit more quickly as well. Um, and, and I think it also it keeps you from like comparing the men's and women's races like to one another. Um, it's like, you don't watch the 10,000 meters of the men and then watch the women. And like the women was so much more competitive. You're like, Oh, that was such a better race than the men. Like you don't compare them. You just kind of enjoy them each on their own merits. Um, and so I, to me, it makes for a much more entertaining format for the meet. But anyway, um, I, I, wrote down the people who i was most impressed with i wrote down caitlin tui uh joseph von Bula, abby steiner courtney wayment mercy chalanga and dylan jacobs christy Schofield, nico young and olin hacker all those people are people that struck me uh michelle eric y'all have anybody you want to talk about first <laughs> Um, maybe we should talk about the sprinters first maybe we'll start with like the shortest races first because i know this is one that that we all like but a liberian guy a liberian national from university of florida a guy named joseph van won the 100 and the 200 he was the anchor leg for the university of florida he was a big part of the university of florida winning the men's title there um, and ran what might have been the most fun to watch 100 meters i've seen in a long time
1: I've never seen somebody with top end speed like that. Yeah. What did what did Eric say? It looked like he gave them a five meter head start or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
2: well, he was he was at least two meters back at the 50. Oh, he it's, probably it's, ran the world record for the flying 50 <laughs> in the yeah. last 50. I mean, because he ended up two meters ahead of him. Right. I, it <laughs> that was like a master class in how to run a hundred. Yeah. He accelerated. Except that
0: his the start sucked. <laughs>
1: what?
0: Except that his start sucked. Um, yeah, except that he spotted everybody five meters at the start. Um, yeah. Now it was funny for me because there's two guys from Florida that were in the hundred meter final. And I knew that a guy from Florida won before I actually watched the race. And so they start and I see the other guy from Florida is two meters in front of Joseph Van Bula. And I said, Oh, that other guy from Florida must be the one who ultimately won and then, like a locomotive, this guy comes roaring through the last 50 meters and catches everybody. Um, we don't normally recommend that you go to YouTube and watch 100-meter races, but this is definitely a race that you should, you should actually look at. Um, another race that you should Google and watch is the women's 4x4. Um, the women's four by 400 or the four by 400 in general, is, in my opinion, the, the, the best race in track and field. Um, everybody runs a lap. It's a relay um, and, and it's just long enough where exciting and incredible things can happen. Um, and there was a runner from the University of Kentucky named Abby Steiner. Um, Abby Steiner won the 200. She ran 21.80 in the 200, um, which is the leading time in the uh, in the world right now. Um, and she ran, uh, uh, she finished third in the 100, but then she ran the third leg of the four x four, which is usually where you put your slowest runner. Um, and she was about 25 meters back from the leaders. And not only did she catch them and close that gap, but in the final hundred meters of her third leg of the four x four, she probably put an additional 10 to 15 meters on the rest of the field. Um, it was one of the most impressive four x 400 meter legs I've ever seen in my life. So super fun to watch there too. What do y'all think about that one?
1: Um, they ended up coming in second in that, right?
0: No, they won. I
1: thought uh, Texas won that. Maybe no, that was the four by. Okay.
0: No, that was the men's four by four. Um, Got it. Yeah, okay. no, the, the 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 women's four by four. She handed off ten meters in the lead to her teammate, and it was there was never a question. I mean, her teammate was strong, not as strong as she was, and 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 nobody really ever challenged.
1: You know, Eric, maybe you can talk a little bit about this, but the most fascinating thing about Abby Steiner, you know, she's a sprinter, but she's a dominant (laughs) soccer player also. And I feel like we usually see, you know, these badass soccer players like become distance runners. It's, it's just, it's so interesting to me that she's just, you know, she's so, she's so good at the sprinting. Um, I
0: didn't didn't know she was a badass soccer player.
1: Yeah. She played for Kentucky. Did she really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, wow. I think cool. that I've talked to grace about this because right now she probably couldn't show it because of the training she's been doing, but her soccer career has really built a lot of top end speed for her. So, in just looking at her, you can tell that she probably has more top end speed than she shows all the time. So when we were in, the reason this came up is I was laying out a training plan and we were talking about pacing for different workouts. And she said, I can go a lot faster than that. And I was like, you know what? You, you can, she's like, well, what did you base that on? And I based it on, I based it on a marathon that she had run. And then I, I tied a half marathon into it. The problem is that th- those, if you use those times she has for those two races, when it gets down to like what her 1600 could be, right. it's like 630, 635. Mm-hmm. So then when it starts, when those, those calculators start building out like her threshold pace and stuff. It, it looks way too easy to her. But to your point, Michelle, I think soccer players are used to getting from point A to point B as fast as possible to keep from getting hurt.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And I, mean, and I
2: think that, that, that is a motivator to really build your leg muscles. And then when they get into at the college level and even, you know, the high school level, the workouts that they're doing support that. You know, whether it's on the field, the short sprint work, or it's in the weight room, you know, actual it's power, uh, power development, so I can see how a soccer player could turn and, you know, transition into a, a track sprinter. I don't think anything over the 400. Is... I was going to say
0: a track sprinter that runs 488 for the 400 though. That's the striking thing about it to me because, because no, I, I, I didn't know she was a there, soccer too. player. And I totally agree with what you're saying about like the, the short, hard explosive bursts of speed that soccer players have to be good at, particularly mm-hmm. like repeatedly over the course of an entire soccer mm-hmm. game. Right. right. Um, but 48, eight, that is mm-hmm. a long, sustained, very fast sprint. Yeah, um, and she made the other people in that race look like they were.
1: Yeah, I mean, she doesn't schoolers. just win; she's body yeah. lengths ahead yeah. of the rest.
2: Um,
0: I was super impressed by her, for sure, for sure. One,
2: one thing about that race in specific, and then the the hundred that we were talking about. It's Fundula. What is? It, how do you say his name again? Von Fondula. Um The the thought that it always occurs to me, the thought that his poor start resulted in his victory is in, in the back of my mind. And the reason why I say that is he was forced to push himself beyond what he's ever had to push himself before, because he was in the chase. I uh, see. I don't know about that. And the four by four is a similar race often because, mm-hmm. you know, you're the you're the third runner. You're supposed to be the slowest runner and, and you may get an opportunity to run really fast for, because you're not in front. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he doesn't have amazing top end speed or she doesn't have top end speed. Obviously they do. I'm saying that being in that situation, it's almost like when you get chased by a bear, you can run faster. Sure.
0: No, no, I, I agree. If, if chasing somebody down will definitely inspire you to run faster, regardless of the distance that, that, that you're running. And so, I agree that that probably helped Abby Steiner run faster. That I may that. indeed, that may indeed help Joseph Bulow run faster in the hundred, but
1: you don't have that's, much that's not going to gonna work
0: at the next level. Yeah. Like, well, let's see like, what his
2: next. Let's see if he. Let's see what his next few races are. What the times yeah. are. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, if, if he thinks he can spot professionals five <laughs> meters and catch them like, I mean, he can. <laughs> I, I certainly um,
2: did not say um, this is a strategy.
0: and to that and to that point I think he probably and, and this is me totally conjecturing here by the way, but I think that he probably has a, a not so great start in part because he can still win without a great start. Um, and so he hasn't had to really create a great start just yet. You know, um, it's kind of like in cycling the, the, the best climbers tend to be the worst descenders because usually they don't have to try and catch anybody on the descent because they're already in the front. Um, um, he's never had to worry about, about, he's never had to worry about his start not being good enough. Um, if he's going to be at the next level though, and, and try to have some of the same level of success that he's had as a collegian. Um, he is going to need to have a better start though um, but
2: that's that's yeah. technique and that's where a coach says i can work with that so, he's already sure. got the hard stuff for sure <laughs> yeah I, I agree hard. with you on that
0: i agree with you on that um i had enough sprinters let's talk about caitlin Tui. um and and i'm eager to talk about caitlin Tui uh for a few different reasons um caitlin Tui, we've talked about her a lot on this podcast before Um, And we've been talking about Caitlin Tui on this podcast for three or four years. She's now a sophomore in college. She goes to NC State in Raleigh, where Eric lives, of course. Eric, do you ever see her out running?
2: All the time. In fact, we run together.
1: (laughs) He's not telling the truth.
2: No, I I don't. I I never (laughs) see her. Oh, you're the Eric that she was talking about in the
0: post-race interview where she says, you know, Really? My coaches are great. My teammates are great, but I really owe it all
2: to Eric. I didn't know who that was. Now I know that's you. Um, I, I live in North Raleigh. I don't live, I don't work on the campus anymore. So now Gotcha. All right, got
0: gotcha. you. Very good. Well, uh, she had the leading time going in um, of 1519 and she ran 1518 for the win um she led most of the race she she led at the 5000 meters of the race she probably led 4000 meters of the race uh she led through the mile she read th- through the 2 mile um it wasn't until a freshman from the University of Florida named Parker Volby uh challenged her that she actually um uh gave up the lead for a couple of laps uh with two laps to go she took the lead back and ran faster than anybody could keep up with her for the last two laps and won by running 15 18 um I, I, I loved her race. I admired her race and I, I've always been a fan of hers before, but I think I'm truly a convert and, and a total Caitlin to fanboy fan boy now, um, because of the way she ran this race and what's more, um, we, the reason why we've talked about her so much more on this podcast or so many times on this podcast, is because she was winning national championships as a sophomore in high school. Um, and she won Nike Cross Nationals as a sophomore in high school. And she was the Gatorade athlete of the year as a sophomore in high school. Three years in a row, she was the Gatorade runner of the year, high school runner of the year. And so you always look at people who do so fantastically, particularly girls who do so fantastically when they're in high school, and you're like, oh, I don't know if they can keep it up. Uh, I was a giant fan of Mary Kane back in the day. And of course, we kind of know what ended up happening with that, uh, even apart from the abuse that she suffered at the hand of Alberta Salazar. Um, and, and, I am happy to see that she has transitioned from being prep phenom to being NCAA champion. Um, I actually really think, to me.
1: I think Caitlin's biggest advantage was um, pretty much having to sit out with injury from the start of her college career. Mm-hmm. Plus the combination of a brilliant coach mm-hmm. um, who doesn't generally, you know, over-train her runners. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like we see it a lot, but, A long time of rest and a, you know, a smart comeback can, can really just be the whole difference and just getting an athlete to that next, next level. Um, and that's basically what Caitlin's done the whole year. I mean, at first it was like, ah, Caitlin's running a race. And now, you know, it's like, well, Caitlin's winning NCAAs. (laughs) So it's good. It's great to see her out there. She she also looks like she's having fun.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, she talked about how much
2: she's having fun. And yeah. About how, fun she, I how much fun really she's always, always had.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I'm surprised. I didn't think winning was so much fun.
0: <laughs> but, but, but we certainly know, know people but... that feel so much pressure to win that they ultimately lose all the fun in the sport. Um, and, and so she's like, yeah, I, I've always had coaches and, and, and my parents have always encouraged me just to do what, what's fun and to, to enjoy myself and, and the results of taking care of themselves. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've i thought a lot about her over the course of the last little while and a lot about the conversations that we've had about her here and a lot about how I was very suspicious of how she was going to do and whether she was going to be able to, to maintain her national level competitor slash champion uh, status. Um, and, and I wonder, I've wondered why that is. Um, I think it stems from a few different things. I think it stems from, you know, Eric, when you and I were, were seniors in high school, the, the freshman cross country championship was, or the, uh, the state cross country championship was won by a freshman mm. who then won again as a sophomore who then didn't win as a junior and then didn't even qualify for the state meet as a senior. I think that kind of got in my head a little bit. Um, honestly, um, I've seen what's happened with Mary Kane and a few other kind of people that I was fans of and, and, and kind of seen them fall apart a little bit. Um, And and honestly, though, frankly, I've I've kind of had to ask myself over the course of the last little while whether whether I'm a little bit sexist too, Um, whether I think that that boys, males, can can stand up to the rigors of of difficult high school running and then carry that into difficult collegiate running and then into difficult professional running, and I think that maybe women just aren't strong enough to handle it. Um, Even though you watched
2: that happen almost firsthand with a a kid who beat you in the state meet. What's that? That was a oh you're talking. Oh, oh. You were talking on the female side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So 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 I yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. Is, is it lurking somewhere deep in my brain? I don't know, perhaps. Um, but but it's something I'll probably continue to reflect on over the course of the next short while. In the short run, Caitlin Tue, fantastic. I'm a fan. So
2: go wolfpack. <laughs> I think um, coaching has a huge part to play in that absolutely i think being careful with these up-and-coming runners um it has a big part to play in that and i think the mentality you build in them from the beginning so she gave a lot of credit
0: to her coaches and and all the more reason why it's so tragic what alberto salazar did to mary kane um all right a couple other folks we'll talk about here real quick um uh uh courtney wayment
1: this is holy the race crap michelle this is this is nothing stands out to me as much as this run courtney wayman um went out and ran the steeple on a she wet from, from byu byu um and not only did she win but she ran a 916 she broke the collegiate record courtney freyricks had held it um by eight seconds yeah which is A lot of seconds. (laughs) Um, I actually, I'm I'm so excited for USA's this year. I think, you know, it's been almost 10 years, uh, Emma Coburn dominating the steeple. And the past few years, we've really mostly had, um, you know, Courtney Freyrichs up there with her. We're going to see Colleen Quigley. Uh, She raced for the first time since 2019 last weekend. She got a qualifier by, I think, uh, 0.06 of a second. So we're going to have Emma, Courtney and Colleen, you know, back vying for those three spots on the steeple team for worlds. But I really think,
0: but currently, I don't even think currently Wayment has a faster time than all of them.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I don't even think Courtney Wayment goes in as a quote unquote dark horse. Um, I think she has the fastest time so far this year. Uh, Just to be fair. um, I don't think Emma's run a steeple yet. And the other two ran and, and, horrible horrible conditions um and Courtney fell on the water coming out of the water so I think we're going to see a big a big toss-up in the steeple this year and I and I would love I mean could Courtney Wayman win USA's in the steeple I honestly think she's so hot right now and she didn't even she made it look easy yeah um you know 916 has put people on the Olympic team before
0: eight seconds off the collegiate record in a 3,000 meter race That's insane. And it's not like it was some soft record. It was Courtney Frerich's record. Who's gone on to win global medals in the steeplechase.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And the other thing about Courtney Wayman is just the trajectory uh, during her time at BYU under uh, coach Gigi Taylor. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, if you plot the points, it's just kind of a perfect projection and this is her final year, but I'm sure, Oh, they've said that she'd be deciding uh, by the end of this week, you know, who she was going to sign her professional contract with. She'll join two of her former teammates and stay at BYU. Um, so I think it's going to be great, but yeah, nothing stood out to me as much. I thought this was the best run of the meet. So.
0: It was incredible. It was incredible. The, the woman who finished second uh, was from, from Yale and ran like a 16 also second ran incredible, but Yeah. She ran like a 16 second PR. She ran the third fastest time. Ever by a collegian in the steeple and was second in the race and, like, literally wasn't even in the picture. <laughs> um, yeah, it, what an incredible run. Um, all right. These last couple of things we want to talk about real quick, and then we need to get to talking about uh, hot weather because because uh, I know that Michelle gets tired here after we've been talking for a while. But it is. It is. Um, let's talk real quickly. Um, uh, if you haven't watched the women's 800 meter, it was won by a, a woman named Christy Schofeld from Boise State. Um, uh, Boise State, one of the alma maters of friend of the podcast, Sadie Henderson, um, and uh, and in fact, in the post-race interview, um, uh, Christy Schofield mentioned uh, Pat McCurry, who we talked about when we were in Uh, uh, interviewed Teddy Henderson on on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The raw emotion that she demonstrated on the finish line is fantastic. And so if you haven't seen that, I think that's super fun to watch. Um, Mary Chalangat from the University of Alabama, or Mercy Chalangat from the University of Alabama, and Dylan Jacobs from Notre Dame won the women's and men's 10,000 meters, respectively. Um, I wanted to mention them real quickly, not only because they won a distance race, but also because both of them wore vapor flies. Um, for that 25-lap race around the track. Um, uh, it could be argued that one of the reasons why they did that, and a lot of people did make this argument, is because they both had to circle back two days later and run the 5,000 meters. Uh, Mercy Chilangat ended up finishing fourth in the women's 5,000 meters. Um, Dylan Jacobs was on down the field a little bit uh, in the men's 5,000 meters, and so maybe that helped them to, to recover a little bit. One of the reasons why Dylan Jacob is a little bit farther down the field in the men's 5,000 meters is because at one point while wearing his high stack vapor flies, he actually stepped on the rail and twisted his ankle during the 10,000 meters. Um, And it didn't hurt him during the 10,000 meters, but once it swelled up and and started causing him problems, he wasn't able to run quite as fast two days later in the 5,000 meters. Um, I don't know. Michelle, thoughts about that? Would you wear a pair of vapor flies in a 10,000 meters on the track, Eric, would you?
1: I think you have a pretty, you know, I would say, why couldn't they wear them just because NCAA doesn't have the same shoe regulations? They don't. As IAAF, and they're Mm -hmm. a fast shoe. Yep. And they might likely run a faster ten k in the shoes that they wore than they would in a pair of spikes.
0: Yeah. If you if you're if you're a (laughs) big responder, then yeah, yeah. you would run faster than you were in a pair of spikes. I mean, I
1: honestly, it could be recovery. It could be that it was saving them for the five k. But, I mean. Could just be I don't faster. know if you're mm-hmm. if you're going into the 10k with the mentality that you need to save something for the 5k you're probably already at somewhat of a disadvantage sure. I think they wore the shoes because they're the fastest shoes they could find
0: may well have been absolutely yeah. absolutely um, Eric, what do you think
2: I can't wrap my head around it <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think you know as a, just as an engineer you know a high stacked shoe in a race where you're going at that pace, I figure just turning. (laughs) Yeah. You're on the turns alone, the sheer force across that shoe, you're going to spend a lot of energy, um, just on the shoe movement. You know, the shoe's going to hit the ground and then your foot's going to push the shoe to the side. You know, it it just seems like there's going to be a lot of waste in there. And all I can figure is that even over the course of a 10,000, that is protecting your muscles to the point where you can run faster at the end Mm -hmm. that that's all i can think of is it's 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 preventing wear and tear yeah yeah may well be i mean and that and that's how those shoes work
0: Um, you know
1: i think you guys i mean i don't know if you forget or we're just not mentioning but in between the time you know that the vapor flies came out and they were readily available to professionals i mean we were seeing so many people choose these shoes for the longer distance races on the track for spikes And it feels like the only reason why most athletes went back to spikes is because, you know, the IAAF came in and made a regulation about sack height. So then they couldn't wear these. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like if people could choose. And and because
0: Nike created some spike technology based on vaporfly technology. What is this? So the dragonfly. dragonfly, Yeah. Where where you can actually wear a pair of spikes that uses some of that same. Like
1: vaporfly spikes. Sure. Um, I I don't know. I think you go with what you're going to you know, you feel like you run the fastest in and yeah. obviously we know they're fast shoes, so.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I It's hard for me to imagine. I've never run on a track in a pair of Vaporflies um, and I haven't worn Vaporflies since 2020, since early 2020, so more than two years, I haven't worn them. But the one thing that I always said about them and most people would agree with me is they don't corner well. Um, no. the, it, it, it's, it's hard to corner in them. And so the idea of making 50 turns in in vapor flies it's hard for me to imagine that being comfortable clearly it works but your vapor flies are the ones ones. you wore were they the fly Mm nits yeah so what did they did they race and 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 and, and so may so maybe maybe with the version twos they 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 turn a little bit better or something else like that i don't know because i never wore the those ones i never wore the 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 second version but but yeah i don't know i don't know um um, and then the last thing we'll talk about this with is, is the men's 5,000 meter. It was won by a guy named Olin Hacker, uh, ran 1327, uh, outkicked Morgan Beatlescomb uh, Olin Hacker's from, uh, from Wisconsin, um, outkicked, uh, Morgan Beatlescomb, who was from, uh, more Michigan state and Nico Young, who was from NAU. Nico Young is a 19 year old true sophomore. Olin Hacker was a seventh <laughs> year senior <laughs> age 25. <laughs> and I'm not real sure how I feel about that. <laughs> um, you know, the the guy who won the 800 was 24. Um, the uh, the guy who won the men's steeple was 24. Olin Hacker was 25. Um, Dylan Jacobs, who we just talked about, was only 21. Uh, Chrissy Schofield, who won the women's 800, who we mentioned second, was 23. Um, uh, Senta Visa, uh, who won the women's 1500, was 25. Courtney Wayman, who we just talked about, is 23. Caitlin Tui is only 20. Mercy um, Chalangat is, is 24. Um, but yeah, Olin Hacker being 25, I, maybe just because he was only a couple of steps, he was out kicking Nico Young, who was <laughs> merely 19. Maybe that stood out to me. Maybe because I had just watched Caitlin Tui at age 20 the day before run such an impressive 5,000 meters. The fact that a seventh year senior won at age 25 just. I don't know. Maybe the fact that I only spent four years in the NCAA and I was graduated at age 21. Yeah.
2: And that's the way it's supposed to work.
0: <laughs> um, I'm just saying that, that that stood out to me. It stood out to me. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the, the, the roundups I read of the race talked about how Olin hacker had a really hard time for his first four and a half years. <laughs> when he was in college um, that he had like a lot of injury and that sort of thing. And it was only in the last 2.5 years where he was able to put together some consistent training. And I was like, if that was me, that would have been my entire collegiate career. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have said he struggled with injury for the first 4.5 years of his collegiate career. You would have said he struggled with injury during his collegiate career.
2: <laughs> and and
0: for a month after it. Right. And, and And for another six months. And so he decided to retire from running entirely, you know? So, yeah. you
2: know, I'm just, if I got, well, I just, he must have one hell of an education. So yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. Seven so. years. I mean, seven years of college. So, that'd be nice, man. Um, his dad, Tim Hacker, won the NCAA cross country championship back in 1985, for what that's worth. Um, so kind of a cool thing that he and his dad both are Wisconsin Badgers and both, uh, both, both NCAA champions now in distance running. So pretty cool. Um, I
1: like that. I like that. It's a father son thing.
0: Me too. I just wish the son could have done it about three or four years earlier. (laughs) Uh, When Nico Young was in middle school. (laughs) Three or four. Yeah. I mean, when, okay. Sophomore year, five years. So when, when, when Olin Hacker was Nico Young's age, Nico Young was in ninth grade. (laughs) It's crazy. And, and by the way, I got a lot of love for Nico Young and I was super impressed with how he ran. Um, And that's one of the, I was so impressed with how he ran as a sophomore. That's one thing that's made me really kind of reflect on the way I felt about Caitlin Tui because Nico Young was such a strong runner in high school from Newberry Park, California, which is the one that's such an insane high school right now graduating all these sub four milers and that sort of thing. Um, But, uh, but, but, that's one thing that made me think, okay, I like Nico Young then. And I still like him now. What is it? How is that different from Caitlin Tui? But anyway. Um, all right. Let's see how he is in six years. Let's see. <laughs> so I think he'll be good. Um, and, and I think she'll be good too, by the way, I should say. Yes. I'm, I'm excited to see where both of them go over the course of the next six years. Um, yeah. Nico. I mean, his senior year in high school, Owen Hacker finished second in Foot Locker Nationals, the National Cross-Country Championship. You know who won that year? Grant Fisher, <laughs> he and Grant Fisher are the same age. And how much have we talked about the amazing things that Grant Fisher is doing now, like setting American records in the indoor five and in the outdoor 10, finishing in the top five in the Olympic 10,000 meters and Olin hackers finishing up college. I mean, I don't, I'm being <laughs> such a jerk. I need to quit being so snarky I just, yeah. All right. We need to move on. All right. I Let's talk kinda, about hot weather. I did kind of
2: stoke that fire.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about hot weather. All right. So uh, the three of us, um, the three of us uh, passed around an article on our text thread um, this past week. And it was called, um, it was from outside online. And it was by a writer named Sarah Trent and it was entitled Philip Krasik. That wasn't supposed to die this way. Um, Philip Krasik was a runner, um, an experienced runner, an experienced, uh, uh, outdoorsman. He had done lots of camping and hiking and all sorts of things like that had done trail, uh, lots of trail races had done marathons, ultra marathons. Um, and he lived in the San Francisco Bay Area with his, his wife and his child. Um, and he went out on a fairly routine day, uh, about a year or so ago, um, and got caught up in some hot weather and ultimately died on his run um, collapsed, went missing on his run. And, and then ultimately his body was found two or three weeks later. And it was clear that he had died from getting lost and getting too hot and ultimately dying. Um, and as the article, the title of the article is just, he wasn't supposed to die this way. Like this shouldn't be a person who dies from getting too hot on a run. He was not somebody who had never run before. He is not somebody who's ever, had challenges with hydration before he's not somebody who's never had near death experiences while engaged in outdoor activities um but yet it was this one random day here in 2021 where he got lost in the trail that ultimately ended up resulting in his death um and and as we talked about it and as we passed it around even though it seems like every year we end up talking about how to deal with hot weather um and how to deal with with um rising Uh, uh, temperatures um, it was worth talking about on the podcast again tonight Eric since you've never been a part
2: of one of these conversations I'm gonna let you take the lead man (laughs) Uh, well I appreciate that George I I do on the outset want to say this isn't a condemnation of um, Philip and this isn't to say that any of this would have changed the outcome of that day for him it just started a conversation between the three of us. And I think it's an important thing to think about based on what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast that I don't wanna rehash, um, but something to think about as the summer, as we start really getting to the the heat of the summer. Um, so uh, one thing that, you know- Thank you for saying idea, that. Yeah, so so the idea, you know, one thing I, I really like is, um, is to simplify things. And my dad always said, you know, uh, he always used the, the acronym kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And that was, you know, how we, we planned things. Um, and we didn't overcomplicate stuff because we're engineers and engineers tend to overcomplicate everything. So I came up with a great little mnemonic for this and it was, you know, run summer smart with instead of kiss, I said, piss. And <laughs> what, what PISS stands for is plan inform stick and solve. And we'll go through what each of those mean, but this this is just a, a mnemonic, something to help you um, a, as we go through this list to maybe remember this stuff. And if it's funny, then that's great. And if you think about, you know, it's not just a, a quick, a, a simple mnemonic, you're, you know, and people get touchy about this type of thing, but your pee is a good indicator, indicator of where you stand in hydration. And we've always said in our family is, if you're not peeing clear, before, literally minutes before you start a hot run, then you're not ready. So that's just something to think about, something to help you remember the, the mnemonic. Um, you know
0: who would appreciate or who will appreciate you're using piss and are now using piss and are making this like the central part of our hydration uh, podcast? The fellas? is Well, yes, my sons, for sure. My eight-year-old twin boys will absolutely appreciate that, even though I don't think they actually know that word. <laughs> um, but no, who I was going to say is Harvey Geyer, who we've had on the podcast before, who is the, uh, the owner and the founder of Slayer X. <laughs> Slayer X is one of our sponsors here. And we're going to circle back around to them, I imagine, a couple of times. But, but Harvey, among other things, is irreverent. And so if anybody is going to be fired up about us talking about piss, it's that guy.
2: So I mentioned that the first P, the first letter is P and, and stands for plan and so i think before the run even starts and this isn't every run you go on to the 10th degree this is the really big run you should think about all this stuff and deeply but i would say every run you should these things should run through your mind so you know the first the first letter is p and it's plan and i always think plan ahead and plan well because you can plan ahead all you want and you can come up with a really stupid plan but i think you should plan ahead and plan well and so, you know, a couple, a couple of things to think about, uh, what is the course? Um, you know, is this a, a out and back? And is that gonna be boring? Well, um, your out and back as, a, as someone coined here can also be a good friend because if you're doing an out and back run, you know, you always know how far you are from where you started. And most out and back runs are a pretty straight shot. So you, it's not really hard to navigate back. So that can be a front a friend um the short loop
0: i go was ahead. gonna say if if the out and back is a good friend the short loop could potentially be an even better friend <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. The, the short loop where you loop around your car over and over and over again um right it is it is potentially profoundly boring and it can be mentally difficult to literally have to stop over and over and over and over again but if you're talking about dealing with hot weather and trying to stay hydrated it can be a really good plan
2: yeah, I've run over 50 miles on a one-mile loop, and that is mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. I didn't get dehydrated though. Right on. One of so. one of the most
0: one of the most difficult workouts I've ever had, um, and the most difficult workout in my Ironman build in 2014 was on Labor Day in September of 2014. On that Monday. And I got a slightly later start and I was doing a metric IM, which a lot of people have done before. That's where you do 112 kilometers of cycling and 26.2 kilometers of running. Um, And, and you do it at about race intensity. Um, And so I went out, but I got a late start. My sons at this point are, you know, four months old, five months old. Um, I got a late start. And by the time I started on the run, it was noon Um, and, and. I did 16 one-mile loops from my car. Nice. Um, And had I not done that, I would not have finished. It was brutally difficult and so hot. I drank 172 ounces of water. I used 172 ounces of water during the course of that 16-mile run, which took a little bit over two hours. How did you even
1: have 172
0: ounces available? Because here's a good question. I had water in my car that I had brought to drink for this actual workout, and then In the summer, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, I also tend to keep water in my car just in general so that when I'm driving someplace, I'll just reach back and grab a bottle of water and drink a bottle of water. And so I had like a whole bunch of just bonus bottles of water in my car that I was using for daily hydration that ended up breaking into and using nearly all of.
1: This Um, is like a whole other topic, but I'm terrified to drink water from plastic water bottles that have been heated in a car.
0: That is indeed a whole other topic. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but good for you for having hundreds of ounces of spare fluid in your car. <laughs>
0: so it came in handy that day. Um, but I wouldn't. But the point being, and getting back on topic, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not planned out and made a good plan to loop around from the car over and over and over again. If I had said, I'm going to run a big 16-mile loop, I would have been
2: in a bad way. Yeah. Right. And I think we've all been there. So it's not real hard to imagine this situation. Now, along with that, I would say also, is the course shaded? Is the course on asphalt? Is the course on concrete? Those all play into things. You know, If you're running in the middle of the heat of the day, or in the middle of the day in the heat of the day, and you're running on asphalt, and you have no tree cover, that's going to be hard. If you're on the trails, under trees, it's a little bit easier, just so look at the course. Uh, And then that leads into, look at the weather. Uh, Atlanta and Raleigh this time of year, high humidity. (laughs) High heat, um, those things are obvious, but also consider things like um, wind. Uh, Wind will dehydrate you. Uh, Consider uh, things like, uh, just like I just mentioned, like being in the sun. Uh, Even on a not so hot day, being in the sun is going to cook you, and it's gonna require more water. And I bring this up, you know, we just ran, well, Grace just ran the Keys 100, one thing we purchased before that race that we had never owned before was uh, not the you know fifty gallon Gatorade uh, dispenser, but we bought one of those medium sized Gatorade, uh, the round orange Gatorade uh, drink dispensers or water dispensers. We filled it twice. Um, so it's like nine gallons. I think it was a three gallon container and it was nine gallons to the three of us, Um, not all of that went into our bodies, some of that you know was went to the trailer to wash our feet off or our hands off or something like that, but. that's a lot of water and that's something you got to plan for and the weather is going to help you plan for that so then you know, just this leads right into the next thing hydration. Um, I think hydrating before George what a great comment about carrying bottles in the car. Um, I think that's great during the, the winter or sorry, during the summer, I actually carry around my Nalgene bottle, my REI Nalgene bottle, wherever I go. And if it's empty, I fill it. And if it's filled and sitting there, I drink it. And I think that's the only thing, um, that's the only way to do it is to, to hydrate all the time, um, carry water with you, uh, George, during the blue Ridge relay and a couple of legs, I've seen you, you have your, uh, water bottle carrier that sits in your back. It's kind of like a holster. Uh, other people carry water bottles in their hands. They change them out. I think that's important. And then after, when you're done, have water, have extra water there when you're done. Uh, sometimes that doesn't become after water or post run water. Sometimes that becomes during uh, run water. So I think that's important.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. One thing that I've learned with water I carry is I, I don't ever want to end a run with water in that bottle. Mm-hmm. And the, what I what I've always said is don't ever save it, drink it. Um, the water can't help you if you don't drink it. And if you feel like you're getting dehydrated in a run and you have a bottle in your hand, you're already too deep in the hole. Finish that bottle. Then that moment, don't ever think I need to, you know, parse out my water through my run. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I learned or thought about or created or
0: whatever long time ago. For sure. For sure. So, so a few things I'm reminded of in what you're saying First thing, what you're talking about in cycling, they always say drink before you get thirsty, eat before you get hungry. A good plan is a proactive plan. A good plan is a plan not is reactive that, oh, snap, I'm thirsty now, so I need to drink a whole lot, right? A good plan says I'm out in the hot weather. I'm, I'm in this difficult place, I need to go ahead and drink now before I actually get thirsty for sure. Um, but in addition, I was going to say, I think that, that a big part of, of hydration, particularly during the summer, is actually hydrating throughout the course of the day. Um, and it's daily hydration. It's, it's making sure that you drink water when you're at your desk or you drink water when you're driving or you have a smoothie for breakfast rather than having a bowl of cereal or oatmeal or something like that. Um, actually finding ways to get water into your life, um, I think makes it a whole lot better. Um, I'm annoyed with myself that when we started recording the podcast, I merely brought one can of LaCroix with me and I should have brought two because it's summertime and I need to be paying closer attention to daily hydration. Likewise, I would add the final thing I'll add when it comes to this sort of daily hydration thing is you need to be mindful of alcohol intake. Um, it's summertime, and so we enjoy ourselves a little bit more and and that means we tend to drink more alcohol. Um, but alcohol is a dehydrant. Um, and if you're drinking a whole lot more alcohol, then you are bound to to um, you're bound to become more dehydrated more quickly and more readily.
2: And I would take that one step further. Be careful of thinking you're hydrating with coffee. Um, I actually do drink coffee in the mornings, but right next to my coffee cup, I have a water bottle because I know that that coffee is not hydrating me. In fact, it is most likely dehydrating me.
1: Are you so for real? Straight <laughs> up. This is the worst podcast we've ever recorded with the saddest information I've ever heard from you. All right, it's see. not hydrating <laughs> me at all.
0: 8.57. it is it is it's just it's just not as a it's not as an effective hydrant as, as water and other
2: things are well and it raises your blood pressure because it raises your heart rate and it causes higher diffusion of the water from your bloodstream into your kidneys and that's why you pee a lot when you drink
1: is it because of the caffeine
2: yes so yeah caffeine is a diuretic
0: um, yeah, I never drank sure. caffeine when I was in college even though it has performance enhancing properties because I was worried about it drying me out um, in retrospect, the performance enhancement you get from caffeine outweighs the, the dehydrating effects of it, but you do still have to be careful. With
1: right. It. That's yeah. why I said I
0: carry a water bottle with my coffee cup.
1: So, <laughs> right.
0: um, one other kind of quick thing I'll mention about hydration. Um, uh, you mentioned how I tend to carry that bottle on my back. Sometimes I used to never carry anything with me when I ran. Um, and it was only when I actually did a sweat test at the Slayer X labs um, that that I decided I need to start carrying it with me. Um, because I found out that in hot weather, I tend to sweat 90 ounces an hour. Um, and when I realized how little I was putting back um, after a run, even if I drank a whole lot after a run, I realized that literally over the course of days, I could, I could kind of gradually create a deficit, such that by the time I get to my long run on Sunday, um, I could have a catastrophe. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the reason why I actually started carrying a bottle with me on my run, because I realized exactly how much I was sweating on the run. Um, and so, um, I mentioned that to say that, that you might be 95% hydrated after day one and then 90% hydrated after day two, and then 85% hydrated after day three, you need to be careful about the sort of cumulative dehydration that can happen over the course of several days, uh, too.
2: And that's when I started carrying a water bottle. I think I mentioned to you two that I, I went out to Scottsdale, Arizona for a conference once and I convinced myself over four days, I wanted to run a vertical mile and over the first two days, I didn't carry a bottle. And over the last two days I did carry a bottle because I found that that became a necessity it was probably partly the accumulative, uh, the cumulative loss of, of water. So, you know, fuel, another thing to think about when you're thinking about what do I need to plan for? um fuel is it a long enough run where i need to bring fuel usually i say nothing under 90 minutes is going to require fuel but then if you go over 90 minutes around every 45 to 60 minutes you might want to be taking some fuel if if for no other reason it's good training for that longer race you're going to do Um, and then additional equipment and i'll just going to quickly get on this list gps watch and make sure it's charged even if it's a coros make sure it's michelle
0: Michelle, who tried weird. to start a run this morning with 3% charge.
1: Gosh, there could not have been a more epic fail than this morning's run. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is true. But you know what? It was less than 10 minutes, and it was juiced to 22%, which would last me a week. So it's all right. Keep what going. else,
2: Eric? What, what are the other things? Hey, If you're really off the beaten path, possibly a spot, uh, possibly a map. Maybe you carry something paper. or a Is a spot
0: cart. one of those things that –
2: it's like a it's like a satellite, It's
1: like a beacon, isn't
2: it? Yeah, like a beacon, yeah. it throws a signal. That's exactly what it is. Mm. Okay. So an emergency transponder. So it, mm. it uses the satellite network in order to send your position. So if you're in if you're in bad shape, if you need help, you can send your position, your GPS watch will not do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even a GPS watch with a SIM may not be able to do that because you might have cell coverage where you are. So just keep in mind, GPS watches are receive only. They receive the satellite signal and they do not send it out. and this is a good Um, point
1: because this was my frustration and confusion with the article that we read is he had his you know Sunto watch on or whatever but he didn't have his phone with him and i kept on thinking the watch itself is no good like literally it's it's not going to help him at all but if he had had his phone if he didn't put his phone underneath the front seat of his car before he went for his hour run like he might still be alive
0: right he might and but that being said I, I cannot remember the number of runs I, I can count on one hand tops the number of runs I've carried a phone with me on.
2: Yeah, and then, and you and carried it for a specific reason. You carried so, yeah. it because
0: you expected a call. Yeah, um, and the, and the, and there's some male privilege bound up in there for sure. Sure, um, for
1: sure. But um,
0: but 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 yeah, it's not normal for me to carry a phone on my run. Right. Right. And but um, there and but then, there might be times when you need to. Mm-hmm.
1: But yep. I cannot be the only person who is thinking. Gosh, a $900 watch for sure, you know, could, could do something <laughs> to help you, but not well, Some of them
0: do have, some of them do have like built in beacons so that you can punch in and say, Hey, I'm in trouble. Some of them do have like a built in emergency thing, but, but Eric, you just said that that's actually built on, that's, that's done with
2: cell towers. Well, so like your Apple Watch might have a SIM card. So it's, you know, it's connected to the cell network.
1: Yeah, but it has cellular data.
2: I don't know of a watch that actually connects to a satellite okay. network, which is what gives you world coverage. So, and that that they might exist, but that's going to be a pretty big watch. <laughs> gonna, yeah, like big, big, like physically big, like all physically the big. Yeah, okay, yeah, so good. Physically oh. big and physically expensive, because you think of the size of a spot. I mean, that's a big device, and it doesn't have the capabilities that your watch has. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, moving on, just one more thing. You know, am I going to be out so late that I need a headlamp? Mm-hmm. That um, a couple of times I've wished I had taken a headlamp with me. And when the, especially when the time changes, because it starts getting darker faster. And it's just, it's just smart to have something like that.
0: That's happened to me so, on the bike. That's never happened to me on a run. It's happened to me on the bike. I found okay. myself out after
2: dark without lights on. Yep. So that's plan. Uh, lots, lots built into that, but that's plan. Um, I, um, so back to PIS, P I, I is inform others. Uh, this is something that in the article, was sort of covered. Um, uh, And I I would say, though, there could have been more to it. I've always been told, tell somebody the location you're going to, the route you're taking, and how long it's going to take you. And what that does is it sets up an expectation. So two hours after your run started, if you haven't contacted them or they can't contact you and you told them it was going to be an hour-long run, that puts a question in their mind. Uh, What you don't want to get into is a situation where you're six hours in the hole and no one even has noticed you're gone now when i say location route and time um, telling someone's great but also just leaving a note in your car Uh, park rangers are smart people and when park rangers come find your car in a parking lot and the the, they're shutting the gate and they're putting the ticket on your car if you have put on your dash where you were going and when you should be back you just got a whole infrastructure of people involved in your rescue that Otherwise, wouldn't even know. They'd just be ticketing your car. So leaving something in your car is really smart. And then uh, send, And if you're not telling somebody, use your phone to at least send a message to somebody that says, you know, hey, I'm going on this run. And not like morbid, like if I if I don't talk to you, I'm probably dead. But, <laughs> but definitely in the sense of, hey, this is a big run. I'm going to be out for you know five hours. If you don't hear from me at the end of this run, you know, six, seven hours. Hey, this is where I'm this is where I went that gets some people involved that could end up saving your life. Um, this guy wasn't found for 25 days, 25 days. And there was a huge search for him. And I'm not sure how they did not find the spot if they were like passing by it or whatnot. And he was really like close to where they were looking or if they were just looking to the left and he was to the right, that that's kind of stuff happens. So this, you know, informing others with location route and time, big deal. For sure. For sure. S. So when we get to the S, this the first S and piss it's stick to the plan. So I've told somebody where I'm going, the route I'm taking and how long it's going to take. If I don't stick to that plan, that proactive plan, going back to what George said a minute ago, um, it's going to start going bad for me when they go to look for me and I'm not where they said I was going to be. Um, Hours and hours and hundreds of people can look in the wrong area and never find you so sticking to the plan is important that for the for the aftermath. But sticking to the plan is also important in the sense of I I brought a 14 ounce bottle so i'm going to run for 60 65 minutes. I don't extend that run to 120 minutes with my 14 ounce bottle, right. You know, that that's important. So, you know, your plan goes from being a good plan, a well thought out plan to being a pretty crappy plan because you changed it. Right. So sticking yeah. to the plan is important. Um, or,
0: or, or if your plan is to drink something every 15 minutes and you're like, well, I'm not really thirsty here. I'm going to save this for later. Now if the plan is to drink something every 15 minutes, drink something every 15 minutes. Right. And, 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 and if and if you find at the end, wow, you didn't really need to drink that much. That's good information for next time. Um, and so you can make a different plan next time. But you stick to the plan as it is. Now, the one thing I will say when it comes to, to changing nutrition plans, I don't think you should ever change route plans like switching in mid run from you get 45 minutes into a 60 minute run and be like, I feel great. I'm going to go out on this extra loop and add an extra 45 minutes. That's a mistake. Right. finish your 60 minute run and then go out for a little bit more. If you still have more water or you still have more energy, whatever it happens to be. Um, but when it comes to nutrition, if you need to change a plan and you can, I think it's okay to change it to something if it's not working. Um, if a plan's not, and, and this is more, I think, a race advice than it is probably training advice. Right. right. Um, but if you, if you have, if you have choices, and you can switch your fueling source, or or something like that, because what you're currently taking in is not working for you. I think it's okay to actually deviate from your plan if your plan's not working. Um, you can deviate to a different plan. You can pivot to a different plan. But I think when it comes to training, I agree with you. Sticking to the plan is the thing to do, particularly when it comes to the the route.
2: And, and don't misunderstand. If 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 I have if I say I'm going to do a sixty mile route, and at mile twenty it ain't working, I can go back 40, I I can make it a 40 mile run and backtrack. Maybe that's a better choice. We're talking about running. When you said 60 miles, I figured you were talking about riding a bike. No, (laughs) I was not talking about running. I was trying to take the extreme (laughs) or I can make a, I can cut the loop off here. But when you do that, you need to do that early Mm
0: -hmm. and you
2: need to, you need to be very realistic about, you know, where you are and, and don't, don't overextend yourself, even if that was your plan. So I, I, there are reasons to change the plan that require you to change the route. This isn't, I'm dead at 40, but I'm going to keep going for another 20 miles, even though I'm Eric said, I have to stick car. to the plan. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the, the last note here, and I, I would not be, um, I, I would be lying if I never said this came across my mind, but if, if it comes across your mind, Hey, this would look really good on Strava if I did this. If I ran this section really fast or if I really murdered this loop or I added this on here because everybody would think that was cool that I added these five miles because they're really tough. As soon as you think that I want you to consider all of those videos of men getting hit in the crotch on the Internet with balls, bats, bricks, you name it, because right before right before that happened, they got a camera out and they said this will look great on video and and i want you to think of that it's funny and silly but i want you to think of that along the lines of this would look great on strava because in the context of what we're talking about this you know off-road run solo run possibly um in a in a really hot environment you're already on the edge that's just stupid and i'm self I'm, i'm self uh you know, I'm pointing at myself here because I can tell you that I've done this before. So I'm, I'm speaking from <laughs> experience. So, so stick to the plan. Don't Watch worry this. about Strava. Stick to the plan. Right on. Right on. Piss, P-I-S-S. What's the last S, Eric? And the last S is solve problems early. And this, this goes back a little bit to what we were just talking about. about. There are reasons to change the route. But um, problems are, are not like fine wine. Uh, they age poorly. Problems get worse when you don't start seeing the symptoms of a problem and you start reacting to them. So, you know, physical problems, they will rarely get better over time. If you got a little bit of tightness, yes, that may, that may get better. But if you've got a, a little bit of tightness in mile five and you're on a really hard run under hard conditions, I recommend you slow and stop. I recommend you assess the issue and then make an adjustment if you can and move forward from there. If you feel like that adjustment is working and then repeat. Um, I I can't tell you how many runs that I've been out on where I've said, this just doesn't feel right. And I've had to take that moment to, you know, stand in the shade, gather my thoughts and say, am I really in the right place at the right time right now, or is it just too hot and humid and I need to roll back home. And then you can get going again. Sometimes sometimes it is a better, better idea, cut the run short, get back to the car um, slow it down something along those lines. But I think that and, it, and when it and when comes off. to heat and when it comes to heat, you're better airing on the side of caution in that regard. You're always better airing the side of caution. Cause I think that our perception of how bad a situation we're in is actually, uh, it, it's, it's well behind the problem in the heat. Yeah, um, and, and if you sure. don't feel like that, I would say that I would challenge you that. Have you ever been running where you feel pretty like you're kind of, you know, you're kind of on the edge and then you stop, and five seconds later, you feel 10 times worse. And it's some sort of, you know, for me, it's some sort of like when I'm moving, I'm okay. But as soon as I stop, it, it kind of catches up with me. And those are the times when I know, all right, I'm, I'm going a little too hard. I need to reassess and slow down. So yeah,
0: when, when, we were, when we were talking about Philip Krasik, the guy who was the subject of this article on Outline, Outside Online that we read, I think the general consensus among the three of us were that one he probably was carrying dehydration over days. And so he yep. probably went into the run underhydrated from a run he did the night before and, and, and a few other things like that, that, that clearly had some kind of going on. And that two, he didn't realize the trouble he was in and address it until it was too late. Yep. Um, and so, so to your point, yeah. As soon as you start to sense, okay, wait, something's not quite right it's time to actually address that issue um, and start airing on the side of caution. Heat is not something to play with. Um, and and there's a lot of people who are, like we said before, are dealing with heat now that have never had to deal with the levels of heat thanks to climate change. Um, right. And so so it's, it's important to be mindful
2: of these signs. And I would say that the physical problems are actually a lot easier to tell. If you start noticing mental problems, and when I'm saying this, it's like, um i can't i i'm not thinking straight anymore or i've been in the i'm hallucinating uh stage before and ultra runners actually like that, that's almost like a rite of passage like an expectation Yeah. when you start having those sorts of things and we're talking in a training run you're by yourself and you're out there you are so far behind the problem now that you really need to stop and assess. And if you've got a phone, this is time to phone home. If you've got a spot, this is time to spot out, you know, this, this is a point where you're in you're in ominous territory, because the very next thing that's going to happen. And I I use, I've I've said this many times for many different situations, panic can set in and panic is a problem. Panic uh, causes every decision you make to be based on fear panic is where you're no longer capable of thinking straight and you're you're taking actions that are most likely going to put you in an even worse condition so that that when i'm oh man i can't really do i can't calculate my pace anymore like you know or I, what time what time did i start running like as soon as you notice something like that you need to go ahead and reassess so you don't get to that stage of panic because like i said panic is a problem very good very good piss plan Plan, inform, inform,
0: stick, and solve. What do you think, Michelle? Is that something you can do?
1: I feel like at this point, anywhere I'm going to be running in this heat in the summer, I should be able to, to cover all, all four of those uh, letters in this handy-dandy acronym, Aaron Davis. So,
0: Michelle, <laughs> at least when it comes to inform, nobody loves to send out a text message at 5.30 a.m. more than you. So, That's right. <laughs> so... So I I I will be looking forward to that.
1: I also did like 815, right? And it was 99 degrees. And I was very clear that if you guys don't hear from me in four miles, there's a problem.
0: Yeah. Michelle did take the morbid route. She did say I might be dead if in fact you haven't heard from me in in 35 Um, to 40 minutes.
1: There's not much
2: that I can do about that from up here in Raleigh, but I do appreciate that. There's only two people I get texts at 530 in the morning from. And one is Michelle and the other is George. It's not Brett George. Wellborn. No, no, no. So, I was gonna
0: say it might be our friend question. Brett. Yeah. Brett Wellborn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had to start using the do not disturb function on my phone because of my good friend, who I adore, Michelle Frank.
1: I don't. Um. I don't understand anybody that doesn't go to sleep with the do not disturb function off. I mean, of course, everybody. I know. anybody do now. who anybody <laughs> who texts me after eight or nine p.m. should expect a reply like four a.m. on. And everybody knows that I I can't, if I don't reply to you when I see it, then you're not going to get a reply from me at all. Any text that comes in during the day is I barely reply. So, you know, but, uh, George, I think any, like my mom has tried to find me through you. I mean, people, people are looking for me. Like, so I think I'm, you know, in enough communication with people throughout the day, I should be okay. But
0: absolutely. All right. Final thoughts on our lengthy summer podcast here. I'm glad to be back with y'all. This is fun to to not be on vacation anymore from podcation. Eric, what's your final thought? I'm just glad we got back together. This really improved my attitude today. So thank you both. (laughs) So always a pleasure, buddy. Michelle, final thoughts?
1: Just think about that first you know, fifty degree fall morning, and if you stayed in shape all summer, how amazing it is! Oh my god! Like literally, that's what keeps <laughs> me going sometimes. <laughs> it
0: is, it is, the greatest running thing ever.
1: There is like nothing better, and also being in shape and that feeling amazing is just oh, it's so good. All
0: right, <laughs> now that now that it's nine fifteen a.m. or p.m. and the heat index is currently eighty seven degrees, we will definitely be thinking about that cool yeah. in shape. <laughs> October weather. Um, Eric, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for taking the lead on talking about piss.
2: Always fun. Always fun. Anything for you, George. Michelle, thanks for being here.
0: Good night, guys. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast on Twitter at podcast on instagram most pleasant exhaustion we're available on stitcher soundcloud apple podcast or spotify so share us with your friends don't forget we're sponsored by itl coaching and performance who you can find at itlcoaching.com on twitter at itlcoaching on facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance and on instagram itlcoaching we're also sponsored by blue pineapple travel bluepineappletravel.com Facebook.com slash Blue Pineapple Travel and on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash Here for SlayRx. That's the number 4 SlayRx. Twitter at Official and Instagram Here for SlayRx. The number 4 SlayRx. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.